Hi, I'm Dr. Trish Santos-Smith and welcome to the Pure Animal Podcast. On today's episode, we're talking to Penny Fitzgerald about animal kinesiology. Penny Fitzgerald is a fully qualified professional kinesiology practice therapist and is the principal practitioner at PDF Kinesiology in Clarinda, Melbourne. She has been practicing kinesiology for over 15 years and is also a master of second healing, a powerful energy-based healing modality. After being inspired by her own experience with kinesiology, Penny obtained her international diploma of kinesiology. She then decided to expand her knowledge and experience into the pet world and now practices at East West Veterinary Group in Victoria, where she has been able to help animals with allergies, skin conditions, anxiety, stress and other behavioural issues. Hi, Penny. Thank you so much for joining us on the Pure Animal podcast. It's such a great pleasure to have you here with us today. Thanks, Trish. I'm really excited to be here. So today I really wanted to talk about a topic that we haven't actually covered um, in any of our episodes before, which is animal kinesiology. And I know you've been practicing it for quite some years now. But before we get into it, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became interested in kinesiology. Sure, Trish. Um, I I fell into kinesiology by accident. I'd actually been um, trying to fall pregnant for about 10 years and I had tried everything, you know, weird and wonderful screaming therapy, colour therapy, through to IVF. and. we were on our second uh, attempt at IVF, and it was a while ago, and I think it was a slightly different kind of IVF than the first one. And um, whilst I was doing that, I met a woman who ran a therapeutic massage business, and she suggested I see one of her therapists who was also studying kinesiology. And uh, that was my kind of kinesi-what moment because <laughs> I'd never heard of it. And anyway, I made an appointment because, as I said, we tried everything. Didn't matter how weird or wonderful we tried it. And the morning of my appointment, I had to go down to the IVF clinic and I mentioned to my husband that I really felt that the IVF was not working. Um, They didn't really sort of tell you one way or another because that's how it works there. But I just said, I really don't think it's working and I really think we should stop at the end of this cycle. And he says, agreed with me. Anyway, so I went and I had my hormone injection and then later I went to my session with Amanda, the kinesiologist. I didn't mention infertility because I was so deep in it that I couldn't talk to anybody about it. Right. didn't mention IVF or anything like that. I just said I was very stressed, which was very true. And off we went in in kinesiology. You uh, lie on the table and you use your arm for, for monitoring. So she's working away using my arm and I'm thinking this is all extremely strange (laughs) and she's got this book open and she's roughly going through the book and it's an anatomy and physiology textbook and she's going and she finds this page and she says, your body's telling me that you're getting too much of this hormone and I I can't even remember what the hormone was Um, and it's not doing any good and you should stop it. And I just stared at her because that was the injection that I just had that morning. Right. yeah. Wow. You know, and that's I, well, pretty specific. I didn't say anything. I, yeah, it was amazing. And that's that's what 
the muscle was telling me where to look in the book to find out the information that she needed to say, don't bother doing it anymore. And that, I'd said that to my husband this morning, but I certainly hadn't mentioned it to her. So the, pers- the kind of person that I am, I'm like, wow, how did that happen? How did she work that out? And so I went to study it, really just to learn how it worked and, and what it was about, certainly not with any intention of setting up a business or doing anything like that. And so, you know, 18, 19 years later, here I am working with people and children and animals and, you know, you just never know where life is going to take you. But that's how I got into it in, in that, exactly that way. And it was, um, it's been eye-opening, I have to say. So just from, from your own experience. Yeah, 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 that's right. Because once I saw how, and in the end, my husband and I didn't have children, but through kinesiology, I was able to deal with that and deal with the the uh, emotions and issues that it raised so that it wasn't, I didn't want to be the person whose life was um, all about not having children. You know, we tried, it didn't work, move on. And uh, and I was able to move on and, and do other things in my life rather than be stuck in that yeah. sadness of not having children. Yeah, mm. yeah, and attempting it over and over again. Mm. Mm, that's right. So then how did you get involved with animal kin- kinesiology? How did you get into that? Yeah, so um, so I've been working with with humans for um, about six or seven years, and I was just on the internet looking up stuff as you do, and I came across this chiropractor in the US who had created this little process using a bit of kinesiology and a magnetic massaging tool, and um, it was a quite a sort of basic form of kinesiology that he was teaching. And I happened to have one of those little magnetic massage tools. And then he said, oh, and this works really well on animals. And I had two dogs. And for the life of me, it never occurred to me to do kinesiology on animals. And one of my little dogs was a um, little toy poodle. And we'd only had him a few months. And he was very, still very needy. <laughs> and um, we had a Labrador and the little poodle. And the little poodle was very jealous of the Labrador because we had the Labrador first. And he started to bite him on his tail and his back legs and he wouldn't stop and I couldn't get him to stop and we tried taking him to trainers and I tried yelling at him, which didn't do much good and not yelling at him and it got to the point where I had to keep him out of the same room and he had to stay on the lead in the park because he would just go straight to my poor Labrador's back legs and tails and nip, 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 nip. He was very insecure and jealous. So I'm reading on the internet about how this very simple system with this magnetic massager that I happen to have works on animals. And I turned around and I looked at little Charlie and I thought, I've got just the dog for this. Yeah. So I did exactly what um, he, he was doing on the internet and exactly what I do in my sessions. And the next day I let him off the lead at the park. No nipping, no biting, no nothing. Well, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting such a quick Instant. response. Yeah. And it's not always so quick, but it certainly was for Charlie. And um, anyway, a few weeks later, I was going down to uh, East West Vets, which was the vet where my dogs went for their annual shots. And I go there because they um, uh, do alternative therapies. They do um, use Chinese herbs and acupuncture and all those sorts of things, mm-hmm. which I've always been very interested in. And uh, and I happened to mention to Dr. Neville that, you know, I'd done this on Charlie and it worked a treat. And she's like, oh, good, would you like to do that here? Okay. And that's how it started. 
Um, so I started working with their vets and the, uh, their uh, patients, of course, and uh, would refer them to me. And um, and that is how I started to work in animal kinesiology. Wow. So kind of by chance as well and, you know, yep. th- thanks to your toy poodle. <laughs> yeah. And he's just sitting on the floor here curled up fast asleep. Oh, how lovely. Still getting kinesiology. <laughs> <laughs> Now, another thing that you um, practice, and I, I don't know if you just do this with humans or with dogs as well, is Sekum healing. Um, mm-hmm. Can you explain to us what that what that is? Yeah, sure. Sekum healing is a it's an energy healing. It's um, along the lines of Reiki. A lot of people might have heard of Reiki, but mm-hmm. it works at a, a, a much deeper um, a level and. Uh, it's an energetic session. I use it in all my sessions with humans, with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't tend to use it with animals simply because the um, the muscle monitoring and the magnetic massager work so well. Sometimes when you get a particularly anxious or stubborn animal, um, then I say to that owner, well, it's time for the big gun. And that's mm-hmm. when I will bring in the SECAM and um, and give them some SECAM. And then we, we, we usually get through with that as well. Right. Okay. So it can be sort of yeah. complementary to the kinesiology Absolutely. if the kinesiology Absolutely. itself yeah. is not, okay, yeah. working. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, okay. So Penny, going back to the kinesiology and just like a basic question, can you mm-hmm. explain what it is and how it works. So kinesiology, just a little bit about kinesiology, which helps to explain. It's a a form of therapy that uses muscle monitoring as a biofeedback to look at imbalances that may be causing disease or issues in the body. And so what we do is we detect and correct those imbalances that may relate to stress or nutrition or other injuries or chronic issues. We do not um, diagnose disorders. We're not doctors. We don't diagnose anything. We just mm-hmm. have a chat. And then based on what you tell me, um, we start looking for perhaps when the issue might have first come up, um, where it may be situated in the body, uh, what emotions are relating to it. Um, and uh, basically we monitor how stress in the body can, uh, affects the connection between the brain and the muscle, and that's where the muscle monitoring. So we use um, a, a muscle in the arm because that's easiest when you're lying on the table, and we're looking for a reaction. So we have electrical impulses that mm-hmm. run through our body, and when you're monitoring or testing a muscle and we encounter a stress, there's a reaction in the muscle. Most often the muscle strength lessens and the, the arm will go down um, and it, the muscle doesn't hold. But sometimes the stress is so great that the muscle can't relax and it's like kind of rigid. And we look for either of those that tells us that, yes, this is the stress we're dealing with and we can then um, follow on that path. What was it that caused that stress? What gets more information? And the muscle always tells us what direction that we're heading in. So you ask more questions, you find out more information, what emotions are involved where they're located, and then what you need to do to clear them out to assist the body to return to balance. Right. So so that's the muscle monitoring. That's what I use in a kinesiology session to find out information Okay, so about the person. I'm like trying to just 
picture it. So with the muscle mm-hmm. monitoring, and so you say the person is sort of lying on a table yep. and you use the arm. And so how, how do you do that muscle monitoring? How, what is the person doing with it? Um, for okay. you to so kind of detect. You, you, you lie on your back. Um, you, you only need to take your shoes off. So, you know, it's it's not invasive. And the arm closest to the side that I'm working on, you just bend it at the elbow and then bend it again at the wrist. So you have like a sort of little Z shape. Mm-hmm. And um, then I will press gently on the back of the wrist looking for a, um, a strength and then I can... Um, like a resistance? Yeah. Oh, okay. The, the muscle is working and that's the arm that, that I'll use for monitoring. And then from then from there, how do you work out what the issue might be or what it, what it, it is related to? Okay. So I, I start off with the information that I'm given um, and I get a stress reading. So I build up on that. Uh, then I might find an emotion. So I have a list of about 60 emotions and I'll go down that. And when I get a reaction in the muscle, that's the emotion that's causing the stress that's involved in the situation. Um, so I might find out who or what is involved in that situation. And I just ask questions and the, the muscle um, either reacts and tells me that I'm on the right right path or if I'm not really getting anything, so it's not that. So let's go and see. Um, it may be to do with your parents. It may be to do with something that happened at school. It may be to do with being in a car accident and feeling stressed every time you get in the car, all those sorts of things. So you wait till you get a reaction that tells you that, that yes, that's what you're looking at. And so then you ask another question or find another um emotion or you might look in the body to see where it's situated. Um, if you come in with um, some kind of digestive issue, it's more than likely that there's some emotional components stuck mm-hmm. in the digestive system somewhere. So you find out where and um, and what it is uh, and then you find out what you need to do to clear it. You might use some flower essences or other essences um, and then um, the way that I work at the end, then I will do the second healing to assist with the, the shift in energy once it's to, to clear it out. Right, so okay. So that's in people. In people, yes, yes. 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 So in dogs, it kind of starts the same in that you come in, or pets, I should say, with your pet, and we have a little bit of a chat about why they're there, and uh, and then um, I will surrogate for the pet. So surrogating... Uh, means essentially that I will get into their energy. Mm-hmm. So you can't do that ever without permission. And implicitly at the vet, you, the owner has given you permission because they're there with the dog for you to see them. Right. But I always muscle test um, to make sure that, that that is on and then I um, ask permission to get into the dog's energy and I muscle test on myself and once I'm in the dog's energy. So you can do um, like self-testing as well. So and so you connect with the pet yourself? Through, yeah, through the, it's energetic, like an energetic connection. Oh, okay. Because I've, I've yeah. heard before about using a surrogate being the pet owner where the pet sort of yeah. um, touches you, their, the, the owner touches their pet and then you mm-hmm. touch the owner and do it mm-hmm. that way, but you, you do it straight. 
with a pet. Yeah, I just don't. You can do it like that, but it, it can get a little bit um, like there isn't a massage table floating around at the vet and mm-hmm. um, they're, they're, you put their arm out straight and it gets a little wearying on their arm to um, constantly have it tested and holding it up straight for uh, for the duration of the session. So I found that it was easier just to energetically get into their energy and muscle test on myself. Okay. So basically um, you're just asking yourself the questions? Right? So I, I'm asking the questions um, on on behalf of the dog. So we <laughs> chatted about the, or the, the cat. You can tell I have dogs, but I do work on cats <laughs> as well. Um, uh, so I, I say, all right, so this is, is here because of anxiety. Um, he, whenever he sees he a motorbike, he, he gets really anxious or something like that. And it may well be that he had a, a bit of a run-in with a motorbike, but motorbikes are a way of life when you're out walking around the street and it's worrying. Mm-hmm. So I'll say, all right, let's see what emotion is testing up. So I'll go down my list of emotions. And when I get a, a, a weakened muscle on myself, I will say, oh, okay, so the emotion there is fear. So he's afraid of the motorbike. That's it's not um, very surprising if you had a bit of a run-in with him. That's okay. So I may find another one um, and we don't really need to find out any, anything more because this is quite an obvious case. You know, he had a run-in with a motorbike. He's now scared of a motorbike, so I would be too. Um, and so then I use my magnetic massager and I run it down his back from the um, – top of his head down to the top of his tail about five to seven times. It feels really nice, so they usually quite So they like enjoy it? Yes, yes. Yeah. Sometimes um, if they're very anxious, they, they're just anxious about everything. Um, but it, it does feel nice. I'm happy to give the owners a go so they can sort of run it on their leg mm-hmm. and see what it feels like. But it is a really nice feeling. And uh, and then I'll, I'll see maybe there may be some more Emotions that that um, have are now visible now that we've cleared out a, a couple of the immediate ones may or may not come up, and then I usually leave it at that. When particularly with anxiety, you have to move very slowly. You can't move a lot of emotions at once because you can create anxiety that the pet is used to feeling how he feels. He mm-hmm. might not be very happy about it, but he's used to it. And if you clear out all his stuff and he feels different, he can then feel anxious because yeah. it's like, well, I used to feel anxious and I don't feel anxious anymore. And, blah, blah, blah. and then and it's can a big go change. And you can create more anxiety. So I go very slowly, just move a little bit, let him get used to how that feels, move a little bit more, let him get used to how that feels and move a little bit more until he gets to the place where he's, he's fine and he's happy and he's going well. Right. And and do you find it more um, difficult to perform kinesiology in pets than in humans, or is it just just about the same? No, it's easier. Oh, really? Because I would have whole, thought the opposite. Pet, pet, no, pet heads don't get in the way. Um, sometimes when we work with people, uh, sometimes people turn up and they have a very definite idea of what happened. Sometimes if you have somebody who feels that they have been the victim and they're not really prepared to hear anything else. Mm. And when things happen, um, often uh, we, we're involved and often we are uh, not to, to blame or at fault, but we may have done something that caused something to happen to us. And it's like, well, it wasn't our fault. He did it. 
And some people are not prepared to give up that story. And so when you start working with them, they don't like hearing that perhaps there was, um, that they might have contributed to this in okay. some way, not on purpose or anything like that. And so in comes their little head and it's like, nah, <laughs> I don't believe you. And so then you have to work through all of that, why they uh, feel that, that they need to stay with that, um, even though it's not actually serving them. Whereas on the whole, animals don't do that. They're, they're very much in the present and they're like, I'm really scared and you've cleared that out and now I feel a lot better. And whilst I might be a little anxious about it, on the whole, I like feeling a lot better. Yeah, You do get, stub- you do get stubborn ones, as I said, because <laughs> their fear is so great that they're afraid of letting go of their fear. Yeah, um, And you just work slowly or, or else I'll, I'll do a second session for them as well. So they, they don't have that sort of mental barrier that humans might have not most of no no they don't because they just live in the present that life is exactly as it is right now oh so interesting Mm. and and so kind of going back into the kinesiologist session with the pets can you Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more like what does it look like and how long does it take I'm assuming first you sort of have to do some explanation for the pet owner as well about what you're going to do and what you might be looking for. So can you? Well, when we, yes, sure. Sorry. When we, um, when we have a a chat at at the beginning, um, if they know nothing about kinesiology, which is often the case, Mm -hmm. uh, I just explain that I'm just going to be looking for some emotions that might be causing blockages in their pet and um, helping to clear them out so that, that, that the pet can, you know, help it, its body can help itself to get as well as possible. And then I just launch straight into it because it's quite experiential and they'll understand a lot more at the end of the session. And then at the end of the session, I'm happy to answer any questions that they might have, but it's actually easier just to do it and demonstrate than to try and explain what I'm about to do. Right. And and how long do you find it usually um, takes or the pet allows you to takes about half an hour okay. for, for that reason. You don't want to have them um, there for too long. Often pets are anxious mm. just from being at the vet as well. Yeah, yeah um, that's what I was thinking. So about half an hour and clear out a few emotions and then um, check that that's enough for the day and then I'll see whether they need anything uh, such as flower essences or some Chinese herbs or a dietary change to support the energetic changes that we've just made in the session. And I may refer to uh, to Dr. Neville at East mm-hmm. West where I work um, for any other additional support. I'm, I'm not an expert in animal nutrition, mm-hmm. um, so I might uh, talk to her about what would be a good diet for that particular dog with the issues that they're all cats, sorry, um, that they are presenting with and then she can give me, uh, you know, a whole heap of information that I don't have and, and then we can use that for the best for the animal. Okay. And um, you were talking before about, you know, sometimes if they're super anxious, you, you just can't sort of treat all the anxiety and the stress at, at once because it might cause mm-hmm. more anxiety. So mm-hmm. then I, I assume then they need to come back for another session. Is that the case with most of the pets that you see or for some of them you can um, sort of treat them in one session or do you find that they sort of have to come back for a few and, and how often would you do yeah. that? Um, that varies from pet to pet. I mean, with the example of my little dog, I didn't have to give him another session 
for about six to eight months. So that was like one one hit, and he was fine. Uh, with some animals, they they may need to come back. I on the whole like to see them about once a month if they need to come back mm-hmm. um, because you need to give them time to get used to the, how they feel and for the changes to settle in before you make more changes. Um, so I, I would might say once a month. Owners who bring their dogs and cats for kinesiology are the type of, of pet owners who love their animals and they pay attention to their animals and they are aware of what's happening with them and that's most owners I'm not saying it isn't but they are particularly sort of loving and and Mm -hmm. attentive to the animals and so I say to them just keep an eye on him and see how he's going and um if you think you you know if you, you feel that he needs another session bring him in if you can last three to four weeks that's ideal Mm -hmm. um but certainly two weeks would be the earliest because you do need to give it a little bit of time yeah and um and then I really just rely on their monitoring of that they know their animal and and they're in tune with them yeah they're in tune with what's happening with them and if they think that it's going well and they doesn't need me more then he doesn't need me more and they might then bring uh, people often bring them in for like a checkup three six months summer annual it depends on the person and their pet, but that's usually how it works. Right. Okay. Mm. Now, um, some of the conditions that you use for um, use kinesiology for um, for pets, I suppose, uh, mm-hmm. anxiety, stress, and other behavioural issues. Can you mm-hmm. give us another example, like you did for for your own pet, um, yes. where you've you know used kinesiology and how it helped that patient? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Um, so my first um, one I can tell you about is Sunday, who is a lovely little Shibu Inu uh, dog. That's those little Japanese dogs. Mm. He's such a dear little thing. He's <laughs> six and a half years old now, and I've been seeing him for about four years. Um, he was referred for severe anxiety, uh, particularly in relation to thunderstorms and high-pitched noises such as phone ringtones. Okay. And he'd been working with um, the vets at East West Vets for, for quite some time and they had been unable to help him. Uh, the medication he was on was not working. And he would literally climb curtains in fear when oh, there was dear. a thunderstorm or if he was startled by a high-pitched noise. So we worked on his anxiety. We found and we released emotions. And he came quite regularly for the first um, few months. And... But we we couldn't really um, crack it for a while. And then we got to a point where he could sort of, he was better, but not as good as he could be. And then in a session, we it, it turned out that he was afraid of the noise of the plane. So he was flown down from a breeder in New South Wales to Melbourne at eight weeks old. Right. So he was taken straight from his litter into a cage, into a, a plane, puppy. down to his new owners as a little eight-week-old mm. puppy. That's right. His fear and anxiety, ter- it, was, it stemmed from the terror on the flight, from the noises of the plane, feeling lost and abandoned. And even though his new owners love him and they care for him and he has a wonderful life in Melbourne, every time he hears a storm or a high-pitched tone, in his mind, he's going back into that plane and his body reacts with fear and anxiety. 
And it took a long time to find this out because that's the cause of it. And he hung on to it because of his fear. It just took him ages to let it go. Once we got to that, we then could really get him to a place now that in a thunderstorm, if it's a quick thunderstorm, like a short thunderstorm, he's fine. Um, If the thunderstorm goes for a while, uh, his owners have medication that they can give to him straight away and it works at relaxing him and helping him, which it didn't do before. Right. And with the high-pitched noises, um, like if it's one of their phones, they'll answer it and that's fine. If it's on the television or it's a noise that they have no control over, he has now learned to remove himself from the source of the noise and he goes upstairs to his bed where he can't hear it. Right. And and so that's how he deals with it. So now he, he now comes in basically on an ad hoc visit when his owner thinks that he needs another session, um, then they'll ring up and bring him in for a session. Right. So that's fantastic because besides him learning how to manage it himself, right, remove himself mm-hmm. from the situation, even if it doesn't work sort of 100%, it still can reduce the need for like, pharmaceutical drugs um, exactly. to treat the, yeah. that behaviour. Yeah, exactly. So, sometimes, um, particularly with rescue dogs, you're never going to get them to be a, a happy-go-lucky dog. Sometimes mm. you, you can and sometimes you can't. But if you can bring down their fear and their anxiety to a point where it's bearable and they can have just an amazing life, um, then that's amazing. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, and yeah. I assume it's the same. I mean, I, I think for humans it's the same. If humans are stressed and anxious, I never feel that's something that you can, you know, treat a hundred percent. There'll always be a level mm-hmm. of anxiety, and, I, and it's the same for pets. Absolutely, it's about making it manageable. About exactly, making their life as best as you can possibly make it. And and when you have had trauma, some traumas, and and um, I, I've got a, a another case study here. If, if we've got time, with a, a rescue dog that I've been working with for a couple of years now, mm-hmm. um, Bronwyn. Bronwyn is a bull Arab cross. And she's now three and her owners got her when she was six, seven, eight months, something like that. Okay. And I've been seeing her since she was nine months old. And when she first came, she had itchy skin, hair loss, inflammation all over her body, but particularly in her eyes. She had acne, vaginal discharge. She was unable to put on weight and she just couldn't focus. And they were finding it really hard to train her and help her. And they'd tried antibiotics which hadn't worked, and her owners really preferred not to try cortisone, mm-hmm. cortisone part. They wanted to try, you know, a more natural approach. Yeah. So um, they've been working with uh, Dr. Neville at East West Vets, and so she suggested they come and see me. And the first emotions that we cleared for her were a feeling of being unworthy and not living in the present. So she was feeling like, why did it happen to me? Why am I such a, a worthless dog that all these, we don't know what the bad things were, but they were bad, mm-hmm. happened to me. And she wasn't living in the present. She was constantly living in the fear of the past. Like she'd experienced bad things and she was living in the fear that she was going to go back to that again. Um, and she couldn't let go of that and just relax in you know, the, the wonderful life that she had with her new owners. Um, she wasn't trusting that it was going to last because having mm. known bad, 
she um, was fearful that she was yeah. going to end up back there again. And she was um, also very anxious if left alone. So we muscle tested the best possible diet for her. We changed her diet from dry food to raw food. And uh, she came in for regular sessions, just clearing out emotions. And sometimes you find you clear out the same emotions over and over and over again because they're struggling to let them go. But Mm, that's that's fine. That's how it goes. And over time, her itching stopped. Her hair grew back. The inflammation disappeared. Her skin improved. The acne cleared up and the discharge stopped. And she's now an exceptionally well-trained and a well-behaved dog. She stays calm when left at home, and she's such a gentle oh, girl. Wow. Yeah. And she's on a maintenance program of visits every three months to keep her calm and balanced. Yeah. In fact, she's coming in this afternoon for oh. her next session. So, yeah, she's just such a success story. And um, when she came to me, her owners were fearful that they would have to give her up again because they just didn't know how they could could work with her and help her. Oh, they must be so pleased with you <laughs> and what you've been yeah. able to do. <laughs> yeah, it's just truly amazing. You just have to persevere and um, and you can just get amazing, wonderful results. That's that's mm. fantastic. Now, yeah. um, another thing uh, that I know you, you started doing was some research on how effective kinesiology can be in determining and treating stress, which was related mm-hmm. to food issues or food allergies. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, that study that you did? Sure. Um, so I, I did a study over 14 animals. I had uh, each animal came in for three sessions. And at the beginning of the session, I measured their stress level Um just by surrogating for them as I'd done before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just giving them a balance, finding out what emotions were involved, clearing it out. And then also having a look at the food issues and determining if we needed to make any changes and things like that. But we were particularly looking at the stress. So we'd measure, measure, measure the stress, uh, look at the food issues, make any changes. And then they came in over a period of six to eight weeks for the second session. And again, we measured the stress at the beginning and the end of each session. And Penny, how, how do you measure the stress? Like, do you well, grade the level of stress? Is You ask the question, what is, um, say I was using Charlie, what is Charlie's stress level out of 100? If 100% is massively stressed and 0% is so chill that, you know, he's mm-hmm. super cool. And you just, uh, you, you you go up the numbers. Is he 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%? And you'll get a muscle test. And then you get to um, whatever the number is, 88%. And you get a, your reaction. And it's like, okay, so that, that uh, dog is now 88% stressed because of the, the food issues that he's got happening mm-hmm. in his life. Yeah. And so I took a... Um, a measurement of then I gave them a session and measured the stress again and at the end of the session the stress had gone down um so the average I only have the average results now is was about 88 percent um in in the animals over the um the course of the the study and mm-hmm. at the end of each session it had dropped to about 14 percent right and uh, and by the, the third session, they were coming in and the average stress had dropped down to about 80% and at the end, they were going out the stress at about 11%. And so it was dropping and dropping. And as you 
continue to to have the kinesiology and make changes, it would continue to drop. So, I mean, I think we've spoken then um, about kinesiology can help with, you know, stress-related issues. Are mm-hmm. there any other conditions that you would use it for that you think you think it might be helpful for? Well, in my opinion, there is nothing that can't be helped by <laughs> kinesiology. Um, even if it's just a, a question of bringing down stress or anxiety or concern, you know, I've worked with uh, dogs that have been diagnosed with cancer and the outlook isn't very good, but I can we can just make them more relaxed and more um, uh, happy so that however long it is that they've got until, uh, you know, the cancer wins or whatever you like to say, they can be in the best possible place um, to, mm-hmm. to get through all of that. Um, I've helped get rid of allergy, uh, so many things, uh, dogs um, and cats with weeing, who wee inside. Um, it's worked extremely well with that. There, it's, it's just nothing that can't be helped in some way by kinesiology. And and you you were mentioning before that the cases that you get are usually referred internally from the vet clinic that you mm-hmm. that you work at. Do do you get any cases like is the word getting around? Do you get any cases referred from other vet clinics? Uh, not from other vet clinics as such. I do see people who don't go to East West Vet because they have been looking for some alternative. Um, therapy for their animals. They don't really want to put them on medication and so mm-hmm. they um, hop onto Google and they find me at East West Vet so they'll come in and they're right. not a, a, a regular client but they'll come in to see me. So I'm getting more and more of those. Um, word of mouth is also starting to spread um, but I haven't really done anything about speaking to any other vets. I'm quite busy enough um, <laughs> uh, working uh, with and Neville and Fatima East-West. So um, that's fine, but I'm always happy to talk to anybody, that's for sure. Yeah, no, because I, I just find that um, more and more pet owners are looking for a more holistic approach um, when trying to treat the pets or manage um, their conditions. But obviously they are, you know, looking for yep. you um, through the through the internet to see how mm. you can help the pets, which is great. So the demand is growing. Yep. And yeah. um, people are looking for a more sort of integrative approach for yeah. for their pets. Yeah. That's right. And uh, and I should perhaps mention that if your listeners are interested to know what a session looks like, there is actually a video on the East West Vet website of okay. me uh, having a session with um, a little dog called Archie. And what I do on that video is what I do with every animal that comes to see me. Oh, fantastic. I'll add that link to the episode notes so yeah. everyone can access that. Yeah. So I think we're getting a bit close to time. So is there mm-hmm. anything else, Penny, that you would like to share with us that we haven't covered um, in the podcast? Um, perhaps I just uh, will finish with saying that I really do understand that kinesiology is hard to get your head around, but it works. It, I've just seen it work on so many animals living happier and healthier lives because of kinesiology and humans as well. But I really get excited about animals because sometimes, you know, they're unable to speak for themselves. Mm. It, it doesn't replace going to your vet, um, but it works so well alongside regular vet care and it's 
it's just a, a gentle and amazing therapy that can just be so helpful. Oh, that's great. Well, Penny, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us and for sharing so much of your knowledge on kinesiology. I have certainly learnt a lot um, during the last 40 minutes and you've opened up my eyes to, to the world of kinesiology. So thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. You're very welcome. Thank you for asking me to be on your podcast. This was the Pure Animal Podcast and I'm Dr. Trish Santos-Smith. If you enjoyed our chat with Penny Fitzgerald today, then please feel free to jump onto iTunes and give us a rating and review.